Hosea chapter 10. Uh, before I start the message, I want to say it's an honor to have Brother John and Janice Cross in our service this morning. Uh, the, his friend, uh, Trevor McElwain, is the one that wrote the Creation of Christ book. Uh, if you've been through the Creation of Christ, I know uh, uh, you, uh, or many of y'all are very familiar with it. And then uh, Brother, Brother Cross uh, is the one that wrote uh, Stranger on the Road to Emmaus, which many of y'all are familiar with. And also, uh, he was the uh, he was in the Etal film. How many of y'all have seen the Etal film? We've got quite a few. Now, so there won't be any confusion. He was the white man in the Etal film. Okay, I didn't want y'all to get him mixed up. They're always getting mixed up with those natives jumping around. But uh, he was the narrator uh, in the in the film. So it's it's such a blessing to have them here with us. Uh, Hosea chapter ten. God willing, we'll be expounding verses six and seven in our text this morning. The title of the message this morning is the King and His Calf. The King and his calf. Now last week in verse 5, we learned about the idolatrous calf of Beth Haven. It was the work of Israel's hands, an idol that they had crafted to their own liking. And we learned that every other man-made religion in this world is no different than the calf Israel made. When Joseph Smith created Mormonism, he was crafting his own calf. When Muhammad founded the tenets of Islam, he was crafting his own calf. The doctrines of Buddhism, Hinduism, tribal religions, humanism, perversions of Christianity, or any other man-made teaching is merely man fashioning a calf to his own liking. That's all it is. Here's a kingdom truth for you this morning. God's revelation is the good news about the Christ He gave. Man's religion is a lie about the calf He made. Repeat it. God's revelation is the good news about the Christ He gave. Man's religion is a lie about the calf He made. Every person in this world is either worshiping a calf made by man or the Christ given by God. It's quite simple. And in Hosea's time, Israel had chosen to reject God's revelation of Christ, and instead they were worshiping the golden calf they made, the glory of which they were quite proud of. But in verse 5 last week, God said the glory of that calf would be stripped and literally in the Hebrew, it means the calf would be denuded. His clothes would be ripped off and nothing but shame would be left for that calf. When Christ was crucified, the world denuded Him, didn't they? And they gave Him shame. But when He comes again, He's going to have clothes on, Brother Doug, and on His vesture and on His thigh, a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and He will be given glory. In the end. It's just the opposite with the calf. When Israel made their calf, instead of stripping it like they did Jesus, they adorned that calf with glory. But on the day of God's judgment, the calf 
was carried away in shame. Look with me now in Hosea chapter 10, verse 6. God says, It, that is the calf, shall be carried also, I'm sorry, shall be also carried unto Assyria. It shall be also carried unto Assyria. God was going to use the nation of Assyria to judge the rebellious nation of Israel. And when the uh, Israel fell, when the nation of Israel fell, the precious calf they made, the false god that they had put their hope in, would be carried into Assyria as a conquered god and a spoil of war. But it's not only important for us to know where the calf would be carried to, but it's very important for us to know to whom the calf would be carried to. Hosea said the calf would be carried unto Assyria, look back in your text, for a present to King Jerob. A present to King Jerob. Now there's something you need to understand that's going on in this text this morning. What we have here is one earthly king, the king of Assyria, capturing the god of an opposing king, the king of Israel. One earthly king, the king of Assyria, capturing the god of an opposing king, the king of Israel. In verse 6, take your pens and underscore the word king. King. And now in verse 7, underscore the word calf. Calf. So there's two main characters in our text this morning. A king and a calf. And these characters are not incidental to the story. They are fundamental to the story. You see, the calf and the king are vessels of power. The calf is a spiritual, heavenly power, and the king is a political, earthly power. Israel had an earthly king to fight their battles. Remember, that's how they wanted a king to begin with. Get us a king that will go out before us that will fight our battles. So Israel had an earthly king to fight their battles, but they looked to their calf to empower their king to protect them. See how that works? Every secular nation in this world operates on the tandem power of a calf and a king. When I say tandem, that means they, they go together like tandem axles. You know about that, Brother Shepherd, being commercial vehicles. So every secular nation in this world, they operate in the tandem power of a calf and a king. The calf is their instrument of heavenly power. And the king is the calf's instrument of human power. The king is the calf's instrument of human power. If a national leader looks to the gods of Hinduism, then Hinduism is the calf and the national leader is the king. If a tribal leader in Africa is guided by his local tribal religion, then the tribal religion is the calf and the tribal leader is the king. Every secular nation operates under this system. Here's why. When God created the world, He created it to be ruled by man. This is interwoven into our creation just as the laws of physics. 
It can't be violated. He created the earth to be ruled by man under the power of God. That's why he said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And God said, let them have dominion. Man was designed to rule on earth under the power of God in heaven. And as you cannot circumvent God's laws of physics, so you cannot circumvent God's laws of kingdom authority. You just can't. You can hurt His laws, but you cannot avoid them. Man was designed to rule on earth under the kingdom authority of the one true God in heaven. So, when an earthly leader, since you can't avoid these laws of kingdom authority, but you can pervert them. When an earthly ruler rejects God, he forfeits the power of the Creator who made him and foolishly rules in the power of a calf he made himself. See what's happening? And the devil knows this. The devil understands God's laws of kingdom authority. He understands how the earth was founded he knows this, so when men reject the authority of the one true God, Satan capitalizes on their rejection. He capitalizes on the law of kingdom authority, and when they reject the one true God, Satan moves in and he sits on the spiritual throne of every calf man makes. Here's a kingdom truth for you this morning. Satan is the God behind every man-made religion. Satan is the God behind every man-made religion. Write down in your notes or in your margin, Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Again, the devil taketh him. This is the devil tempting Jesus. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world. Now, that's important. Satan is pointing out to Jesus all the earthly kingdoms of the world. Now remember, the king is the earthly ruler ruling under the power of his calf. Now if it's a godly nation, it's an earthly ruler ruling under the power of Jehovah God. But concerning secular nations, nations that do not embrace the one true God, all these kingdoms are kingdoms operating under the power of of their calf. And Satan is behind every single false god in this world. If he could take the mask off of, off of it, it would be the devil. So the devil takes Jesus up to this exceeding high mountain. He shows them all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, all these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Do you see what Satan was doing? He was perverting God's laws of kingdom authority. Satan was offering Jesus being a man. That's very important. He was offering Jesus being a man the position of earthly king. While Satan would occupy the position of the heavenly calf. The false god he was tempting Jesus to worship. You see? I don't care what earthly ruler it is. Every unbelieving king works in tandem with a calf. 
a demonic influence that drives them with a set of laws that guides them, a set of perverted doctrines that guides them. Well, now, Brother Richard, wait a minute. We've got a lot of earthly rulers that are just non-religious. I mean, they just deny any religion whatsoever. They may not be Hindu. They, they, they may not be Buddhist. They may not be Muslims. They may not be any kind of uh, perverted uh, Christian religion. We have people that deny any God, any deity whatsoever, and they just operate on their own. Do those earthly, non-religious leaders still have a calf? You better believe they do. More so than any other. The very first false religion on earth began in the Garden of Eden. The very first one. And what was that original false religion? It wasn't some organized religion. It wasn't witchcraft or sorcery or Hinduism or Mormonism or Catholicism. The original false religion was the absence of organized religion. The original false religion was the absence of organized religion. The original false religion was humanism. You remember how the serpent tempted them? He said, ye shall be as gods. We will set you up, mankind up, in the position of God. And though Satan did not tell Adam this, Satan knew you will be the earthly king. I will be the calf you serve. That's basically what's happening. You shall be as gods. When an earthly leader denies every source of divine power, he is not rejecting religion. He is being a faithful follower of the first false religion established on earth whose founder is not Joseph Smith, is not Mohammed, but whose founder is the devil. King and his calf. Once again, by God's kingdom design, there must be a heavenly king ruling through the power of of an earthly man. By God's kingdom design, there must be a heavenly king ruling in the power of an earthly man here on earth. That's why Jesus Christ became man. Because God is not going to say, well, you know what, I had a great idea. We're going to make man in my image after my likeness, or our image after our likeness with the Trinity. And, and we're going to let them have dominion. And man is going to rule on earth in the power of God in heaven. And then man suddenly falls in the Garden of Eden. He fails in his purpose that God created him for. And God's just not going to go, oh, well, that didn't work. I just throw that back to the drawing board. God doesn't do that. When God originates a plan... God finishes that plan. Man may try to thwart it. The enemies may try to thwart it, thwart it. But God's going to accomplish it. And He's going to accomplish it not through Adam, but through Christ. Christ is not just going to come and die for the sins of the world. 
He's going to come and accomplish God's design of kingdom authority, the law He established when He created the heaven and the earth. Jesus became a man so He could become our earthly king and fulfill God's law of kingdom authority. Jesus is both our God and our king. Isn't that great? He is both the Son of God and the Son of David. Satan is bound to the same laws of kingdom authority. God created the law. Satan cannot circumvent it. He can pervert it, but he cannot circumvent it. God created the law, and Satan is bound to the same law of kingdom authority. So, being the false god of this world... Satan still has to rule through the power of men. That's why the devil just don't jump down and say, I'm the devil, worship me. Not going to work that way. The devil cannot come down and be the king of this world. Because it, break, it would completely avoid and circumvent the laws of kingdom authority that God's established. So as God, bound to His Word, His perfect will that he spoke, is going to have a man rule on earth under the power of God in heaven. So Satan must also, if he rules the world, must do so through the power of man. A human agent. Because God said, let them, that is man, have dominion, and the scripture cannot be broken. In the Garden of Eden, God told Satan in Genesis 3.15, God said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman. Listen carefully now. And between thy seed, that's the earthly agent, and her seed, that's the earthly agent. That is the Christ and the Antichrist ultimately fulfilled. There's a lot in that prophecy, but ultimately it's going to boil down to that. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. At the end of time, there's going to be an ultimate showdown of power here on earth. That's what the book of Revelation is about. That's what many of the prophecies are about in the Old Testament. Satan is going to put his best man on the throne. Remember, the false God, he's got a rule in the agency of a man. Satan is going to put his best man on the throne, and God's going to put his best man on the throne. Satan, the God of this world, will anoint the man of sin as king. And Jehovah, the one true God of heaven and earth, will anoint the Son of Man as king. And the two kings are going to battle it out to the finish. I am looking forward to that day. Revelation chapter 11 verse 15 ends up telling us how the battle is accomplished. How it turns out. He says in Revelation eleven fifteen, And the seventh angel sounded and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world. Now hang on a minute. What did the devil offer Jesus on that high mountain? The kingdoms of this world. 
Jesus would be ruling over all of them under the power of the calf above them, which Jesus, of course, was not going to do. Jesus yields to the one true God, Jehovah God. And now in the end, we see what happens. The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. And He shall reign forever and ever. God's rule of kingdom authority, man ruling on earth under the power of God in heaven forever. The Creator and His Christ will conquer the calf and His king. Now you can't conquer a king without conquering his God. <laughs> right? You cannot conquer a king without conquering his God. Remember, this king here, he comes into Israel, he conquers the king of Israel, and in so doing, he's conquered his calf. So it becomes his possession. You can't conquer a king without conquering his God. Fortunately for us, our king is our God. Jesus is both Lord and Christ. When Israel's king was conquered, Israel's calf was conquered, thus Israel's country was conquered. Their people were conquered. So when their calf was carried away, Hosea said, look back in your text now. Hosea said, Ephraim shall receive shame. Now remember, Ephraim is an epithet. That means a descriptive name for the northern kingdom of Israel. When their precious calf was conquered by the enemy king, the people of Israel would receive shame. When Satan offered Jesus the kingdoms of this world, he offered Jesus not only the kingdoms, but also the glory of those kingdoms. Matthew 4, 8 and 9, uh, 4, 8 and 9, uh, it, it says, And again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, say it with me, and the glory of them. But when the calf that Israel trusted in was stripped or denuded of its glory, the people who served that calf, they were stripped or denuded of their glory, and they received the shame of their fallen God in the end. Praise God when Jesus comes, He's going to be glorified. We're going to receive His glory in the end. We don't have a calf, we have a Christ. Rejecting the counsel of God, Israel went by their own counsel instead. They had rejected the counsel of God's law. They rejected the counsel of God's prophets. Look back in your text. And now, the Bible, Hosea said, Israel shall be ashamed of his own counsel. Man, I'm glad I don't go by my counsel. My counsel wound me up in hell. I go by the counsel of Almighty God revealed in His Word. Had they only hearkened to the counsel of their Creator, had they only subjected themselves to His authority, they would have been trusting in the calf God promised instead of the, I'm sorry, the Christ God promised instead of the calf they made. Israel rejected their promised Savior. Israel rejected the law that pointed them to their promised Savior. Instead of believing on the Christ, they believed on the calf 
and now they would be ashamed. But the Bible says, whoever believes in the Lord Jesus Christ shall not be ashamed. You see how that works? It's beautiful when you understand the Scripture from the totality of the Bible. People read there in the book of Romans and they say, well, he, whoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. They think, well, that means if you had an opportunity to witness to someone, you were intimidated and you were a little embarrassed. You, you, you didn't go up there and start being bold in Walmart and witnessing to the cashier while everyone's waiting in line. That means you were ashamed of Jesus. That means you don't believe on him. That's not what the Scripture is saying. Whoever believes in Him shall not be ashamed in contrast to those who trust the calf versus those who believe on the Christ. Their glory was denuded. Today the world gives us shame. Our glory will be invested upon us. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 16 and 17. Listen to this, how beautiful this is. It accompanies Romans chapter 10 so well. Isaiah 45, 16, 17. They shall be ashamed and also confounded, all of them. They shall go to confusion together that are makers of idols. But Israel, that is the true Israel of God, which is the church of Jesus Christ, shall be saved in the Lord with an everlasting salvation. Ye shall not be ashamed, nor confounded, world without end. Oh, they have glory for a time. In the days of that calf, they had their, they had their day in the sun. They had their time of glory. But the time was ticking on the glory of that calf. The time is ticking on the glory of all the false gods in the world right now. The time is ticking on the glory of humanism and man setting himself up in place of God. The time is ticking on their glory and one day when Jesus comes, they're going to be stripped of their glory and they're going to be given shame and the shame the world has been given us is going to be stripped from us and we're going to receive and be glorified in Jesus Christ. And the time will not tick out. It will be world without end, for He shall reign forever and forever. Remember, you can't conquer a king without conquering his God. So when the calf was conquered, consequently the king was cut off. Hosea said, look now in, in uh, Hosea uh, in verse 7 now, back in your text. Hosea 10, 7. Hosea said, as for Samaria, her king is cut off. Samaria is another name for the northern kingdom of Israel. Samaria has a king, and that king is now cut off because the calf is conquered. In our text this morning, the calf is carried away, and the king is cut off. When the calf is defeated, its king is defeated, its kingdom is defeated. When our Creator, on the other hand, is victorious, His King is victorious, His kingdom, the servants of God, the saints of God, are victorious. Jesus' victory for us was legally won through His death and resurrection. Through the power of the gospel, Jesus cut off the rebellious King of this world. 
Speaking of his death, his pending death on the cross, Jesus said in the Gospel of John chapter 12, verse 31, He said, now is the judgment of this world. The cross was not simply Jesus dying as a substitute for our sins. The cross was a time when Jesus, God was going to be executing judgment against this world. Now, in the book of Exodus, Passover night, that was God's judgment upon Egypt, which was a picture of God's judgment upon this world. In the book of Exodus, speaking of the Passover night, God says, I'm going to pass the land this night and will execute judgment upon all the gods of Egypt. That's the gods. Now, in the New Testament, the Passover is being fulfilled. But instead of mentioning Executing judgment on the gods, he's mentioning executing judgment on the king. Both the king and the calf are cut off. They're both conquered through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So that man, the son of man, the Lord Jesus Christ, can come back and rule on earth in the power of God in heaven. And God's original intent for mankind and the earth can be reinstituted through the power of the gospel. John 12, 31, Jesus said, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Jesus' victory for us was legally won through his death and resurrection, and it will be powerfully given to us and, and, and uh, instituted for us at his second coming. When Jesus comes, that will be the day of judgment. The Bible calls it the day of the Lord. When Jesus comes, the calf... His king and his fallen kingdom will be cut off and carried away to the lake of fire. Those who rejected the kingdom of Christ will be cut off, look back in your text, as the foam upon the water. You may have another translation. It may say something like a splinter on the water or a piece of wood on the water or something like that or mist on the water. I've studied this out and this is a really good translation. As the foam upon the water. Have you ever seen the filthy foam? Y'all seen it, haven't you? You got a hurricane coming through. And man, that hurricane comes through, that storm comes through, and it lands that filthy foam upon the, sh- the shore of that sea. The storm comes, and the sea casts out its filthy foam. Man, when Jesus comes, this world's going to cast out its filthy foam. They're going to be gone. Israel's king was cut off as the foam upon the water. One day Jesus is going to to bring a great storm of judgment upon this world. And those who rebelled against his kingdom will be cut off from his holy kingdom forever as the foam upon the water. The the book of Jude chapter 1 verse 13 describes false teachers, those who teach the religion of the calf, quote, as raging waves of the sea foaming out their own shame. Wandering stars, to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Folks, aren't you glad you have a Bible? Aren't you glad that we have the King of kings and Lord of lords? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your precious word. God, we thank you, Father, for the truth that it gives us.
the edifying truth, the unshakable hope that our king cannot be defeated because his God cannot be defeated. (laughs) He's king of kings and he's also Lord of lords. We thank you so much for this. Glorify your great name. May all eyes be upon you as the scriptures we just learned reside in our heart.